When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Aston Villa versus Newcastle United preview. I'm Andrew Musgrove from the Newcastle office, Chronicle Live, as you can see, joined by Matt Kendrick, who'll be a familiar face to you, Villa supporting uh, viewers. We're not, we haven't got Dan, I'm taking the reins today. It's an interesting game tomorrow, isn't it, Matt? Bit of extra spice of Steve Bush returning to Villa Park as well. Just your initial thoughts on what you think is, is to come tomorrow night. Yeah, I just want to make a disclaimer before we get up and running for the Newcastle fans. This is not my bedroom, by the way. This is my son's bedroom, so I'm not allowed to um, have claret and blue in my matrimonial suite. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because kind of Bruce is back on a collision course with Villa at a time where, although Villa, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves after what happened with the, that first goal, particularly against Man City, there's a really good kind of vibe and a good feel good factor around Villa at the moment, the way they've kicked on from that first season. Whereas we know we're welcoming a Newcastle team kind of, you know, and down on its luck, I suppose, um, you know, disillusioned fan base and, and Bruce probably firefighting to try and try and keep his job again. So it's a familiar narrative, really. Um, you know, the Villa fans, even though the stadium will be will be empty again, sadly, we will take great delight uh, if we, we beat Bruce and beat Newcastle um, and get Villa back up and running after this kind of COVID interruption. Um, obviously, from from a, a Newcastle point of view, if that is the if that is the fate for Newcastle tomorrow, I was going to say it pushes Bruce another step closer to the exit door, but I'm not sure that's necessarily the case, is it, Andrew? No, I think I mean I think that Leeds game is is the important one. I don't think you can afford to lose both of them, but you especially can't afford to lose to Leeds, who are lock a bit close on the table to Newcastle. But look, he needs a win. I mean, it it, it before uh, December the twelfth, which is the last game Newcastle won. They beat West Brom. They just about won that game. Um, they were performing badly, but the results were coming every now and then, which means they were pretty safe from relegation. Past month, though, the results have mirrored the performance. And here we find ourselves without a win in nine in all competitions. They can't score. They don't look threatening. Um, you know, Steve Bruce has come out and said the gloves are off. He'll do it his way. Didn't work against Arsenal. And we come against the Villa side who, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Villa. I saw them against City, but, you know, they, despite the COVID and everything that's gone on in the past few weeks, they look threatening against City. They had one or two chances and I do fear a little bit for Newcastle um, coming into this game because Villa, like you say, have just got a good feel around them. And when you go into a, a game as Newcastle are down in the dumps, knowing that a win is is crucial and that the teams below you are starting to catch up, the pressure on Steve Bruce is huge. And then you've got the added the added spices at the start with Steve Bruce returning to Villa. So there's lots of little side stories coming into play here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think tomorrow, I think... I think Villa will score. 
you know, there's very, been very few occasions where they haven't scored this season. Obviously, they didn't score against Manchester City in midweek, uh, although it wasn't for the want to try. And they did try and go toe to toe with Manchester City, which probably is another sign of of the advances that Villa have made, uh, even since you know in the last six months since since the end of last season when they stayed up on the last day of the season. Um, so it's interesting, isn't it? I think Villa will score if Bruce's default setting is to come and bottle it up from 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 the offset. What does that mean? You know, if Villa do score, does, does Bruce have a plan B to, to try and kind of crank up the levels and, and get Villa as an attacking force? I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I hear little bits about, we, we still we still keep an interest in, in, in Bruce and, and what, what's happening since he, he left Villa, but hear little bits and pieces. And when he speaks about Villa, he, he, he seems to reference the kind of big investment that, that the club have, have made in recent seasons. He's right that Villa have spent big in the last couple of windows. In the first window, upon getting into the Premier League, they needed to invest that money because they've got a tired ageing squad um, with players who were past the best and a lot of players who were on loan. Um, so they didn't have a squad, so they need to spend big that year. And then what they've had the luxury of doing in the last summer is being able to kind of refine that squad. Um, had to sign five players rather than signing the 13 of the previous summer and were able to add quality. Um I suppose the question that, that I've got for you, really, from a Newcastle point of view, is to me the Newcastle squad looks decent. It, you know, should 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 Bruce be getting more of a tune out, out of what he's got? Really, I think he should do. But there was major flaws in that Newcastle United side as well. I mean, the midfield just gets bypassed time and time again, um, and you can see that he's trying to work out how to fix the issue. You know, last January um, they went after. Uh, the guy from Lille, uh, and you know they, they thought that that deal done. It didn't happen. The player didn't want to end up joining Newcastle. Um, and then this season, he's he's had ten different midfield partnerships. Um, I saw a stat yesterday, which is remarkable. You know, uh, he had Shelby and Matty Longstaff against Arsenal, which was the first time they played together. Um, from my memory, and it's it's things like that, and you can just see he's trying to work it out, but there's no consistency. But it, the midfield is a major issue because every time a, a team who are, are good attacking, the midfield's just not there, the, 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 you know, um, and the opposition can just walk through and then you've got no protection for the defence and it just leaves them vulnerable. And yes, Newcastle have some decent players, but when you haven't got a, a midfield who can break up play, who um, can create... Um, then you have got an issue because you know they're the two really important parts of it, a counter-attacking side that you, you stick a foot in and then you get down to the other end sharpish, and it's just not there at the moment. And look, in an ideal world, you know you'd want to see a new midfielder come in, but given the COVID and the impact on budgets and, and what have you, I can't see that happening. And if if a new midfielder doesn't come in this month, it's it's going to be difficult because that issue is just going to roll on until the summer, regardless of. Steve Bruce this year or not, you know, a new manager would have exactly the same issue. Um, but yeah, he should be doing a little bit better. But again, you're relying on Callum Wilson. He hasn't got the support because of that field issue. And, you know, if you can't get the ball to your striker, he's only hit two in the last nine. You're going to, you're going to struggle, you know, to create chances and you're going to struggle to score goals as well. Yeah, I mean, without kind of wishing to kick kick you guys when you're down, that's actually a department that's become strong for the leather midfield department. It's probably the strongest it's been for a generation potentially, and that, that's quite quite a claim, I know. But um, you know, even without John McGinn, 
who's suspended for tomorrow. Who, to be fair, John McGinn with Steve Bruce's leaving present for Aston Villa. Uh, you know, he might. He I might remember have been uh, last last year in one of the press conferences that uh, he. I'm sure the words were something like he was his best signing because he didn't cost that much. Um, I'm sure he references him as his best ever signing. It was around about the time when my United were said to be really interested in him. It must have been last December, the press conference, when we were allowed to see the manager yeah. face to face. But yeah, he is he's very proud of that one, isn't he? And you can see why, because McGinn's an excellent, an excellent player. Yeah, he's he's definitely the best signing that, that he made for Villa. He was a bargain, I think, two and a half, three million quid. Um, I think Celtic are kicking themselves for not signing him because he was um he's a big Celtic fan. Um but yeah, he's exactly the kind of. But I, I mean, I think the point I'm going to make is that he's missing, and I think Villa can still put out a really kind of strong midfield. They've got Douglas Louise, who's the real anchor in front of the, the back four, who's, who's come on leaps and bounds. Um, you know, couldn't really find his way early in the early in last season, but during lockdown, kind of worked hard. Um, you know. The lockdown was a ma- I keep jumping all over the place, but the lockdown was a massive, massive factor in Villa staying up um, last season because it gave Dean Smith chance to just take stock and reflect and and actually, although the players couldn't train together for a long time, he could actually. I think he was doing kind of appraisals via kind of Zoom calls and stuff like that, and really having more time with his players than individually than he could could in a normal kind of you know run of fixtures. Uh, Douglas Louise was one of the ones who really benefited from that. Um, his, his English has, has come on leaps and bounds as well. I'm led to believe, and he's become a real, a really impressive player in con- you know in that kind of destructive force in front of the back four, but one who can do it with a bit of class and can use the ball as well. Then you've got kind of you've got um, everybody knows about Jack Grealish and what he can bring. You know, I'll probably speak about him in more detail shortly. Um, I've got Ross Barkley back as well after after a fitness issue. Uh, looks like if McGinney's out, well, he is out. It looks like um, they've got a, a young rookie called Jacob Jacob Ramsey, who's the kind of next cab off the rank, who we've got high hopes for. Um, he's managed to squeeze in ahead of Conor Harahan to the extent that Harahan's now going out on loan. Uh, Villa is strong. Um, you know, I don't want to kind of build Villa up too much because, you know, we, we know that we can jinx things and tempt fate, but... Villa are strong in all departments at the moment, you know, until Thursday night, Wednesday night, sorry, they've got the, the second best um, defensive record in the Premier League. Um, and it's not just the Jack Grealish show now, you know, with these, these Ollie Watkins who hasn't scored for, for a glut of games, but still he's such an important player uh, in that team in terms of linking player, making the ball stick. And Villa can score if they've got a centre forward who's not scoring goals, which Ollie Watkins will, he'll score goals again fairly quickly and fairly regularly, I'm sure. But if they're not, they've got threats, got threats from all over the place. Like Traore um, has conjured up a few goals recently. So has El Ghazi when he's played. I think Trezeguet's fit now again. So that's another option on the right wing. Grealish has added assists and goals. Um, you know, Barkley's capable of adding goals. They're just, I don't know, it's just, I think Villa have almost kind of, they had to get that gritty kind of horrible tense season out of the way, first of all. Um, it was just kind of survival at all costs. And now they thought, we're here now. We might as well kind of enjoy it and, and try and challenge where we can. Well, that was going to be my next question because we've been speaking over the last couple of days about the game coming up on Saturday. And one of the questions I, I asked you for a piece that will be going out tomorrow is about Steve Bruce talking about work in progress. He's been there 18 months. And I remember speaking um, last 
last season, I think it was just before the, the, the trip to St. James's Park um, to Ashley. And there, there were rumours, you know, and a bit of discontent with Dean Smith that the fans, some fans weren't too happy with the way things were going. And yet, fast forward a few months, here you guys are, um, you know, a couple of games in hand, you'll be comfortably in the top 10 if you win those games. And that remarkable turnaround, is it in many ways kind of a sign to sticking with the manager? And, you know, if you stick with the manager who's got a belief in his system, it'll come good in the end? It's interesting, you know, for me, during during lockdown or behind closed doors football, when managers are under pressure... <laughs> I've always been a big believer that you kind of take your lead from the fan base. So, you know, as soon as the away fans turn, you know, to me, I know, I know that if the away fans have turned, and this is for this is for Villa, but it applies for other clubs, I believe. As soon as the away fans have turned, that's the kind of hardcore who try and be as patient as they can. And as soon as they've gone, your manager's done. You know, he's got a week, two weeks maximum normally after the end of that. And I think because you haven't got that vibe in stadiums at the moment, it's it's hard to can't. We can we can judge the we pretty we can, we can judge the mood quite accurately that Newcastle fans are not happy at the moment, whether they're inside St James's Park or not, or they're in the away end of, at Premier League grounds or not. But I think because I, I don't think I think I think, I think Dean Smith would have been given that extra luxury anyway because he got plenty of credit in the bank. For getting Villa in the Premier League in the first place. So I think that the credit in the bank he'd got for that would have outweighed the credit in the bank that he'd got for being being one of our own, being being a boyhood Villa fan and all that. I don't know. I mean, in answer to your question, sticking with managers is a good thing, but only if you're convinced that manager is the right man and he's showing signs that they will get it right. Now, Dean Smith was able to do that, I think. Um and it was Dean Smith's first year in the Premier League. It was Dean Smith. It was most of that squad's first year in the Premier League. You know, with this exception of what Jack Grealish and you know Tyron Mings might have played a handful of games there for for Bournemouth, there wasn't a great deal of Premier League experience in there. And I think I think Smith was cut that slack by the owners. Um, the owners are no mugs. You know, they didn't cut. Well, they, I wouldn't say they didn't cut Steve Bruce that slack. I think they did try and give Steve Bruce a chance. In, in the early days, um, but it was clear that it wasn't, you know, it became a bit directionless. I don't think you stick with a manager for the sake of it. The manager's got to justify that he's got a plan and that he can he can work through these issues and and show that he show that he can take the team forward. I think Dean Smith convinced um, Wes Edens and Nassif Sawiras that he could do that. That's why they stuck with him during that sticky patch um, last season and how he's repaying that faith. It's up to Bruce, isn't it? You know, Bruce. Bruce. Bruce has got uh, the circumstances are, are are so different, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Bruce. Bruce just doesn't have that credit in the bank to start with. Bruce is following a really popular manager in Rafa, whereas Smith was following Steve Bruce without being without being unkind. Um, I don't know. You 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 might you'll be able to tell me better, Andrew. Is he, as do we look like we're kind of reaching the end game? Where where where? Patience is wearing thin, not only on the with the fans, but in the boardroom potentially. I can't speak for the boardroom, but you can, you know, you can judge it on social media that you know, it's, yeah, it, the patience is definitely wearing thin, and it, it's a case of that beforehand when Steve Bruce needed a result, it came. It, you know, whether it, it didn't always look pretty, 
well, it never looked pretty, but he, he got the result, which then extended, you know, the stay and what have you. But now it, it is, it's at the point, like I said before, where the results are mirroring the performance and you are looking at these games and you're thinking, you know, okay, Villa have been impacted by COVID, but I'm coming to this game still expecting Villa um, to win the game. And then you look at Leeds, horrible run of form. But again, I, you look at what happened back in, what was it, November, 5-2 defeat um, against Leeds. And it, you, you fear there for Newcastle on Tuesday. And it's, but at the same time, like you said, you've, he's got the circumstances. He's replacing Rafa Benitez. It, you know, it would have taken a manager of the highest level to come in and really get a clean slate because it was Rafa Benitez, you know, great tactical manager. And, it, 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 you know, but at the same time, you know, Steve Bruce, this is his club and you can't begrudge him taking the opportunity whether he's the right man or not. I don't think anyone would turn it down when you're in his position. But looking now at where Newcastle sit, something has to happen. They're going to have, he has to start getting the results. Um, again, because you've got Burnley who, you know, beat Liverpool and the, the teams below them are starting to churn out results. And Newcastle is just dropping like a rock. And of course, they've had the impact of COVID, you know, but then so have Villa. Um, and, you know, there's been um, the, the takeover playing in the background, which hasn't helped and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's what happens on the pitch. And Steve Bruce has, has come out fighting last week. And again, he said that he's going to play a similar way, probably as he did against Arsenal, as he will tomorrow against against Villa. Um, but this is, a, this is a winnable game. And, you know... Newcastle need to pick a result up, um, whether it be a point, three points, but to go ten games in all competitions without a victory, just, just, it's just unthinkable. Um, and for me, what the biggest issue is is that the when when you draw against clubs, say Liverpool, for instance, it was refreshing to see Newcastle actually try to to lay a glove on Liverpool. You know, Kevin Clark could have won it, and um, with a header. Whereas previously against Man City, they came in that game and you, you, they just looked like they were set up not not to lose. Against Sheffield United, they were set up not to lose and they didn't do anything. And what you want is you want your team to to actually do something on the pitch and look threatening. And it'll be interesting tomorrow to see how they set up against Villa. Will they try and hurt Villa or will they try and just contain them and see what happens? I mean, if they do try and just contain them, what, what happens from the Villa point of view? Does Dean Smith welcome that? You know, if, if Newcastle just sit back and say, well, come on, then c- come and attack with I think so. I think uh, we were saying before, I mean, it's difficult if you if they do go out with a, a, a mindset to, of containment to, to then to then change tack halfway through if you need to. Uh, I think Villa I think Villa Villa back themselves in, in, in most areas of the of the pitch now. Like I said previously, clubs probably could have done a job on Jack Grealish or tried to anyway, tried to do a job on Jack Grealish. And shut down any kind of uh, any routes to goal that that Villa had, you know. That's not the case anymore. They, 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 there's options all over the field. They can they can play through teams. Um, you know they've got pace and pace and attack. You know they've got Jack Grealish's quality in wide areas and drifting inside. They've got um, you know they've got the the, the three wingers, the three white right wingers now who are kind of between them obviously they're not playing all at the same time but they're increasing the performance level it's that competition for places so i think i think I think dean smith will 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 back villa to, to break down newcastle you know regardless of of, of how they set up um the interesting thing that, that i find from from the outside looking in is the um newcastle boys is 
some there's lots of there's lots of hallmarks now from the kind of the last couple of weeks of of Bruce at Villa, and to me, you know, I'm not not knocking Steve Bruce in terms of the initial impact that he had at Aston Villa because. Villa were a mess. They'd been relegated. You know, the the, the owner back then, Tony Jarre, had recruited Roberto Di Matteo, who was more of a kind of a, a trophy manager in a sense. You know what I mean? He 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 won the Champions League with with Chelsea, and it was kind of seen as this kind of you know this vanity appointment. Really, ripped that up within twelve weeks, having backed him with with several signings, and then Bruce comes in and tries to bring a bit of a grown up grown-up maturity to the place really and settle things down and he managed to galvanize the dressing room and, and, and got Villa competitive and it wasn't particularly pretty like you say but he got Villa competitive but as soon as Villa Villa fell short you could sense the frustration on Bruce uh you could sense the frustration that the method the methods that he thought would would work weren't working and that's where he got a little bit kind of you know you know, I've said this before, he became the master of excuse management and, you know, started trying to kind of downgrade, you know, play down the, the expectations and saying, you know, overplaying what he'd done and underplaying, you know, Villa's expectations. And I, I just, it just became a little bit, you know, listen, we know you're, you're an honest man, Steve, and we know you're trying to do the right job, but if you're failing, you've got to be kind of big enough to to say that. And it got a little bit, you know, little pops at, at the supporters for expecting too much. And I think there's something he said about, you know, the 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 mad. It's the mad fewer against me, and the intelligent fans know what I'm about, and all this kind of thing. And you know, started playing the card. Oh, they were never going to accept me because I was Birmingham City manager, and, and all these things that were just nonsense, to be honest. You know, with Alex McLeish and. and um, Steve Bruce both being ex-Birmingham managers that wasn't the issue it was the issue that, that Villa fans kind of I wouldn't say there's a Villa way and expect a certain thing but they they expect Villa to behave like a big club do you know what I mean they expect Villa to, to be, we don't want to be patronised by people downplaying our expectations we're not European we know, we know we're not European Cup winners anymore um, but I think I think it was that Bruce the Villa fans I can't speak on behalf of all Villa fans but Villa fans do think valued valued that 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 kind of stability that that Bruce bought, but the way he tried to get Villa back up and running was to try and it was almost kind of boom or bust. It, you know, loan players and experienced players with no resale value. You know, that's fine if it gets you there. If it doesn't get you there, you're just left with an expensive legacy again. Um, whereas I think what Villa are trying to do post Bruce are built by players, you know, on the way up, you know, by players with kind of sell-on value who can, they can learn and develop. And I think as a long-term strategy, fingers crossed that that will be, that will be better. Hmm. I mean, just looking at the Saturday's game, missing McGinn, as we've mentioned, but everyone else seems to be fit and raring to go. I mean, we've mentioned Jack Grealish, obviously the, the star man, but apart from Jack, who else? is the player that you can't really need to keep quiet and need, need to keep tabs on if they're going to get anything from the game? I think, I think like I said, I've, I've, I've said nice things about Ollie Watkins. He's going through a little drought of his own. I think there was the talk, wasn't there? I don't know whether Newcastle looked at, at Watkins, but I, I know that, that Villa, you know, Callum Wilson was on was on Villa's, Villa's radar. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of how, how that little battle plays out. Um 
it's it's a really nice thing to say, but Villa have got got good quality players in all areas of the pitch. You know, the the back four is, is has become super well drilled. Emmy Martinez was was a brilliant signing. Why Arsenal let him go, I don't know, but we'll you know we'll 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 take that one and we'll enjoy it. He's become a kind of rock behind a, a back four that's got two really really strong emerging central defend English central defenders in Tyro Mings and and Esri Konsa. Um Matty Cash is a flying fullback. He's one of those ones who fits that profile of being somebody who's on the up who can only get better. Probably Matt Target on the the other side. I won't go through the whole team, I promise. But probably Matt Target on the on the the other side. I think Newcastle had a, had a little kind of look at him themselves. I think when he was at, at Southampton, he's probably been seen as the weakest part of the team recently. Well, not recently, but previously. But even he now he's, he's become become super super consistent. Um, don't give much away, and they and they pack a punch. And from being from being you know relegation fodder. Um, last season, I don't want to get too carried away because uh, I know you can always end up kind of having the rug pulled from you, especially as a Villa fan. You know, we've seen this before. We've had so many false dawns and fallen flat on our face. But I'd be disappointed if Villa finish outside the top ten, and then how how much higher they finish above the top ten probably depends on uh, VAR and what happens in Stockley Park from week to week. I think <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised if Newcastle finish. Mid table because at the moment they're they're falling rapidly and I you know the the cushion to the relegation zone is still quite healthy but obviously it only takes a couple of wins and I can't see really where Newcastle are going to get the next couple of points from. Um, Steve Bruce in his press conference today did confirm that Alan St Maxman is is going to be in the squad. He's been missing with COVID. He's had long COVID as well and you know I don't think anyone actually expected him to be back this quickly. I think you only came back to the training ground earlier in the week. So to have him in the squad, Steve Bruce says he'll play a part, is is huge. It's a, if, if nothing else, it's a massive confidence boost. How lo- how much time he'll get, you don't expect him to start, obviously. But um, how much time he might get off the bench is, is something we'll have to wait and see. But just to have him back in the squad, um, hopefully will boost the spirits because they've, they've missed him. Um, they haven't really got a, a player who can do the things he, he does, he, you know, um, he's that creative element of that side um, who we probably haven't actually seen the best of in truth when he has been playing but he still is just that danger man he draws defenders away from Callum Wilson and what have you so um, good news that he's back but it's just it's, it's a huge game for Newcastle like they, they need to at the very least put in a decent performance I mean obviously we want the three points from Newcastle point of view um, a point if not that um, but if you lose you're going to have to lose you know, not 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 deserving to lose, or at least, um, you know, when you speak about afterwards with your friends and family, you can say, oh, well, Newcastle, you know, had one or two, three or four opportunities. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what you want as a fan, um, to to have that conversation where you, you don't just sit there and say, well, yeah, you know, it was lucky it wasn't five, six, seven nil. Do you know what I mean? That's what you want. I think that's where pundits get it wrong for Newcastle as well. There's no expectation of this exciting football or, you know, Throwing caution to the wind, the Kevin Keegan era. You know, that's not what Newcastle United fans want. They just want to be competitive in terms of, you know, not just turn up and it points a bonus. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I look at Villa and I'm, I'm envious. I am envious, you know, because they've got a good setup. They've got some really good players. And like you say, the top 10 is 
is probably the expectation this season. I was going to ask, you know, you've mentioned St. Maximum and, that, and that's going to be a, a massive boost, as you say. But, you know, I'm sure that the Newcastle fans listening to this don't want to hear a ball probably crowing on about how great things are in, you know, in this corner of Birmingham. I was going to say, what has the positive been? For, for, there must be one player or, or, or there must be something that's kind of giving you something to, to, to cling on throughout this. <sighs> well, <laughs> uh, I mean, Callum Wilson's been, been superb. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's been a massive signing and he's why the top six side didn't come in for Callum Wilson is, is, is still beyond me. Um, and even with the limited service, he's hitting, he's still getting the goals. Okay. He's only scored two in the last nine, but without Callum Wilson's form, I dread to think when Newcastle United would be, um, because his goals are the reason Newcastle are looking slightly more comfortable than they probably would be without him. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I mean, looking at this season, you know, there was the beat Everton, um, the West Ham game, the first game of the season was quite good. But it, other than that, it really has been as dire as it looks from the outside, you know. And, you know, they've scraped some points against West Brom. They were fortunate, in my opinion, against Fulham, who were down to 10 men again. They were fortunate. And that seemed to maybe be the turning point where, as before, they would probably win that game against Fulham. Um, and not maybe not deserve it. They got a point and were fortunate to get that point. And that's what I mean by now. The results are now mirroring the performance. Um, and Steve Bruce was impressed with the way they played in the first half, I think, against Arsenal. And it was a massive improvement on the performance against Sheffield United. But they came out in the second half. And, they, you know, again, thanks to Carl Darlow, it was fortunate it was only 3 3 0. Um, and you just. You, you just dread what's coming because I, for me personally, I, I can't see where the goals are coming from. I can't see where the next points come from. You you know, against Arsenal, um, it was Steve Bruce's way. It was effectively 4-4-2. Um, but the wingers were Joe Linton, who's not a winger, and Almiron, who's not a big cross of the ball. That's not his strong point. And that you had Callum Wilson and Andy Cowell up top. And then... 70 minutes gone, Andy Carroll comes off the comes off the pitch. He throws Jacob Murphy on. And at that point, you're scratching your head thinking, but Jacob Murphy's the one that can provide the crosses. And I, it's just moments like that for me where I'm just scratching my head and thinking, well, what, what is the thinking behind that? And look, he's under a lot of pressure, Steve Bruce, and he's trying, he is trying his best to to sort this out. And I don't think any Newcastle United fan would begrudge him to turn this around and suddenly... You know, what's at the end of the season, if Newcastle are in the top eight or whatever, because he's gone on this amazing run of form. I think every Newcastle fan wants that. They want to see their club do well. But just right now, looking at it, looking at the form, it could be no win in 10 games in all competition. Um, I think it's, it's something ridiculous. Like, was it maybe one goal in the last eight games, something like that? You know, that could be one in nine. The stats don't look good. Um, the form doesn't look good. However, I do have some stats which on this game are in Newcastle's favour. Um, Villa have only won once in 14 games in this in this in this fixture. However, they could win successive home matches against Newcastle in the Premier League for the first time. Um for the for only the second time. So a little bit of hope there for Newcastle if you're a fan of stats. However, yeah, I'm fearful. I am fearful. <laughs> The thing that um, probably won't thank me for mentioning this, but the thing that summed it up for me and summed up kind of how bleak it is for you guys at the moment was um, 
we got the guy on, you know, the old sub on the time uh, banner. We got him on a podcast yesterday. Um, and, you know, he's a bit of a mischievous so-and-so. Um, it was all done in, in supposedly in good fun from, from this end. Uh, but he was saying, and he was saying genuinely, that he actually feels sympathy for, for Newcastle with the kind of what he called the kind of dual issue of Mike Ashley, kind of an owner, an owner who's really kind of lost interest and Steve Bruce, a manager who's kind of lost his way. And, you know, saying, you know, as much as he kind of mocked and, and, and took the mickey out of them, you know, during, I think it was 2009, wasn't it, initially, the, that relegation day? I remember um, it well. Yeah, I should imagine you do, yeah. Uh, as, as much as he, he kind of had some fun at Newcastle's expense then, you know, he, he feels feels for the club now because it's not nice. It's not nice for any any football club to be devoid of hope, really. Um, so I thought, you know, I don't know whether Newcastle fans will find that even worse, that their, their nemesis is now kind of uh, pitying them or whether uh, that, that's just a sign of uh, how miserable it is at the moment. Do you know what? He's spot on because at the end of the day, this comes back to to one man and it is Mike Ashley he is the man in control he's the man who has set the the, the, the targets he's the man who's I I would say you know is is, is under uh invested in, in in this in this club over the last 12 years and this is the you know and it it really could be any manager we saw what happened under Rafa Benitez he didn't get what he wanted you know and who would imagine Rafa Benitez battling just to get a side in the top 10? Do you know what I mean? That's not what Rafa Benitez has done in his career, but he had to do it here and he had to, you know, really go to war for transfers and what have you. And at the end of the day, you know, Steve Bruce should be doing better with this squad. He is under pressure. He needs a result. But there's an argument to say it could literally be any manager. And in time of Mike Ashley still here, the same problems would continue to arise. That said, you know, Steve Bruce has had a bit of money to spend. He's convinced the hierarchy to bring in players like Callum Wilson, whereas before they may not have spent that amount of money on Wilson, you know, regardless of how good he is. Um, there are some big contracts being handed out. Shelby, Richie, Kieran Clark again. Arguably, a couple of years ago, players of the same age wouldn't have got these big deals. So Steve Bruce is managing to, to, to change things a little bit. And now he has to find the formation that he wants to stick with. He said he's going to do it his way. He's explained a bit about today in the press comments what that means, about pushing further up the field. Um, and he he needs to find a way to make that work and he needs to believe in the system um, that he wants to choose um, and stick with it because there's no consistency in the formations he's using. There's loads, There's always, there's, uh, there's been a bit of change here. and Well, not a bit. There's been a lot of change in setup and formation. And that can't help players. You know, how, how can you get down and do your job if, you know, you're only playing the same formation, you know, two games in a row and then you're changing it and then that stays for three or four games and then you're changing it again. So, look, there's lots of caveats to to what's happening with Steve Bruce, you know, but then the day he's the manager who's sending the team out in a certain way and he's got to now get these results. This is a pivotal week for Steve Bruce at Newcastle United um, with, you know, Villa and then Leeds coming up. Yeah, just to kind of end it on a, on a, on a positive, really. Um, you know, hopefully Newcastle don't come to Villa Park and turn Villa over tomorrow. But I think when they do arrive at, at Villa and when when the when the fans are watching it on the television, we feel your pain. Do you know what I mean? We've we've been we've been down there. We've had a bleak ten years as Villa fans. You know, for one minute we were pushing, knocking on the door to the Champions League, and then the rug was pulled, and we found ourselves spending three years 
in the championship. So, but there is a glimmer of hope. You know, I know it's a, I know it's a big if and a big but, and you've got to. It's not just a takeover happening in a new manager. It's getting the right takeover, and it's getting the, you know, the the right manager. So there's a lot of a lot of the stars have got to align quite spectacularly to get it right. But it can happen, and if it happens, and you do get that formula right, you know, it can happen kind of quite spectacularly. And this is not Villa getting carried away because Villa, you know. Villa staying in the Premier League for another season will, will, will be an achievement, to be honest. Even though we're kind of setting our sights a bit higher, but just got to just got to kind of hang in there because you know, without being too kind of cliched or too too twee about it, those fans will be allowed back in St James's Park, you know, eventually, and it's their club. And regardless of Mike asking actually whether he's a bad custodian or a wrong custodian at football club, you know, eventually the, these things go in cycles. And it'll happen. It'll happen. And it's bleak and it's grim. Uh, but just kind of hang on in there. Wait until wait until after tomorrow before you start the revival. But the revival will happen eventually. Well, and when it comes, it'll be a, it'll be great fun, I'm sure. Well, from my point of view, fingers crossed it does start more. I was at Villa Park last season. I was in the in the away end, and that was one. That was my first away trip in about as a fan in many many years. And um, you know, we're talking like 15 years, and. <laughs> To be in the way end and watching what happened was just remarkable because Villa were just... I think Villa must have been in the relegation zone, if I'm not mistaken, and they were absolutely brilliant that night. And Newcastle were absolutely shocking. Um, and I'm just hoping tomorrow is a bit different from a Newcastle perspective anyway, that, you know, they can get a result because, you know, they really do need it. Um, yeah, I mean, what's your score prediction? Oh, God, it's going to come back and bite me on the backside of this. I'll, I'll go for a 2-0, 2-0 Villa. Uh, I think Villa will be, listen, Villa went when, I thought Villa did brilliantly the other day, considering that they had, had two weeks off. We don't know which of the players had, had, had positive tests and stuff with COVID, but I thought that the energy that they showed to try and match a kind of Man City side in a menacing mood w- was great. But I think Villa will be kind of a bit like a wounded animal. I mean, I still, I'm probably biased, I still can't work out that um the, the offside decision for that first goal, and I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody other than referee John Moss had got that particular memo about that that rule tweak. Um, so I think Villa will be be anxious to kind of make sure that they they you know they've got four games in hand on on well, three or four games in hand on most of the Premier League, and they want to be in those upper echelons. So I think I think Villa, you know, I think Villa will be be really really at it. Um, tomorrow hopefully so uh, from a Villa point of view I don't think they're going to make Newcastle's life any easier so I, I'm expecting a decent game to be honest um, Saturday night as well so you can have you know you're allowed to have, have a few beers with it I think without being, without it being on a school night so um, yeah let's hope it's a brilliant game let's hope Villa win this one but like I say um, we'll delay the uh, delay the Newcastle revival for another week well it's fair to say looking through the comments Villa fans um, looking quite confident I mean you can see, yeah, uh, there we go. 4 1, that prediction. 2 0 there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of confidence, I think, from, from Villa fans. Um, but yeah, well, thank you for, for popping on, and hopefully your prediction is wrong from Newcastle's point of view. And uh, Newcastle's revival will start more, although I'm not overly confident. Um, just can't, yeah, I just can't see, see them beating Villa tomorrow. I mean, just finally, obviously, we've talked a little bit about the COVID impact. And that was their first game, you know, the Man City game in, in in a few weeks. Has it? How badly has it impacted them? Will they? Would you think they'll be drained coming into this game against Newcastle after playing their first game in so many weeks? I think they probably will because of the intensity that they did play that game at. 
I suppose the kickoff going back to eight o'clock rather than three o'clock gives them a few more extra hours. The good, the really encouraging thing about Villa prior to that that COVID enforced break was that we're saying Villa got a belting, you know, Villa got a belting first eleven. I think they can go toe to toe with most of the most of the Premier League, uh, as we saw when they dismantled Liverpool. Um, what will happen if you scratch beneath the surface? Surface is there enough quality? And I think that's been one of the encouraging things. Um, that I've said they've got that competition for places in right wing. You know, young Jacob Jacob uh, Ramsey's emerged as a as a you know uh, as a Premier League ready ready midfielder. Um, so I think what what I'm saying in a, in a long winded way is I think yeah, there's a, there's a there's potentially they they will be a bit drained. But the good thing is that these deputies who seem to be kind of well drilled in what's expected of them and. And knowing that if they don't come in and take their chance, then they might not get another one for for another kind of four or five weeks. So, you know, I think that I hope that the Manchester City experience and the disappointment of, of the way that ended will inspire Villa rather than the kind of you know them being being too jaded from from the exertion that they put in that night. Well, there we have it. Well, fingers crossed. Anyway, like I say, from a Newcastle point of view, the villain villains are a bit tired, and Steve Bruce can get that all important win. Matt, thanks for joining us. Um, to everyone who's watching across uh, these Reach PLC channels, getting the company in there, ticking the boxes. Thank you very much. Please do uh, subscribe on the Cloud and Boo uh, YouTube channel and on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Where you know, depending on where your allegiances lie. Thank you very much for tuning in. Brilliant. Up the villa. <laughs>